But it doesn't say we have to accept and write into law everybody's personal issues. I mean, who would have ever thought we'd be at, at the point that we're at that we're going to elect presidents based off of poor moral habits? Right? All for the sake that we can do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. But some of this stuff is coming against everything that we stand against. Some of it is actually being in our own family. And we have a choice. Do we accept it or do we stand against it? I mean, look what accepting it has got us so far. We live in the greatest country on this earth. The greatest. But it has snowballed to the point that the hammer is starting to drop. Things are happening. Things are happening all over. And it's in a direct result of the things that we allow and that we call good. The things that we think that people are to be able to do. I mean, I was talking to a guy the other day, and, you know, if you can get past some of the moral things, you know, well, to each his own. How many times have we heard that? To each his own. So if you can get past that, but there's one thing that still bothers me. It bothered me before I was saved. It bothered me before I was ever considered a Christian. It was bothered ever before I made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. One thing. At what point do we think that it's good and that we can call ourselves a Christian nation and we can call ourselves the body of Christ and we still are advocates and pushing abortion. One thing. I mean, if you get over past everything else, one thing. So what Christian, what kind of Christian, and you're going to have those people that talk about, well, you know, you know, you shouldn't judge. It's not judging. They've done it. They're doing it. They're changing laws every day. Now they're fighting to change them back. What kind of person, what kind of God-fearing person would kill a child? All for the sake of, it's my body, I can do what I want. Look at what we've done. It's my body, I can do what I want. It's my body, I can do what I want. I don't care what it does to anybody else. It's my body, I can do what I want. How can you shape it any other way? We all know people. We've all dealt with people. We may have even experienced it personally. But still, as a child of God, as someone serving God, as someone that fears God Almighty, somebody that loves God Almighty, how can we do that? I urge you to get back in and get back to the basics of just Living God's Word, knowing God's Word, knowing it as the truth, the only truth. I urge you to get back into doing and getting back to the basics. And Proverbs is probably one of the best places to start. Good to see everybody. I hope everybody got rested. That was here working this weekend. It was tiring, I know, hot, but uh, we had a we had a good time at our, our yard sale for the church and and all together. Um, I know some of you heard this yesterday. So with the yard sale and Max Lemonade stand, that did great. Thank you, Max. She did a good job with that. Amen. 
and Keisha for making the lemonade, and Levi helped yesterday, helped, hindered, I don't know what he done. I know we got docked pay is what I heard. I know, didn't you? You got docked in your pay, didn't you? Did she take money away from you? No, she gave you the whole $5? Okay. <laughs> At one point he told me, he said, she took $2 away because I got up and had to do something else. <laughs> I was like, she's a hard boss now. She was on it. She was she was on it yesterday. But but with that, with the yard sale stuff and Max Lemonade, just that alone was uh, $2,392.95. So just, just the yard sale stuff and, and McKenzie's Lemonade. Um, and then we had $20 in a donation box with the towels that Jacette had brought and the money we had from that. It's $181.50. Um, the scissors that people have been buying, we sold a lot of those during the yard sale. And people here has got them. So that's 90, nearly $97. So a total of $2,689.05 is what we made over the past little while. And most of that was just from the yard sale stuff. So I know... I am not a yard sale person. I am ecstatic that it's only one time a year. But, you know, because I would never make this much at home. To me, if we have a yard sale at my house, it's like I'd just rather give it away because you ain't making nothing. But, you know, with this, it's going to a good cause. And, and so we continue to build our, our and put into our building fund and believe God for the finances to come along and, and help. And you know what? It, it takes work. God didn't say he would bless us when we sit down and not do anything, did he? So it takes work for us to do things. And God, you can see here, God's blessing us. I mean, it's it's unreal to make $2,400 in two days at a yard sale just selling mainly clothes. And yesterday it was stuffing a bag for $5, and people were still stuffing. We still had, seemed like, 20 big garbage bags left over of clothes that people come got that we donated. There was a lot. So thank you all for donating, and thank you all, everyone that helped. I can't name everybody, but you know who was here, and you know who worked. And and so thank y'all, thank y'all so much for all you've done. Um, don't forget, I know it was. I don't know if Pat, did you mention announcements this morning? No, we just went right into it. All right. So next Saturday, next Saturday's two things going on. The men and women have something separate. So we're all good with that, right? No, I'm joking. So men's breakfast next Saturday morning. This is open to men. This is open to fathers and sons, stepdads, stepsons, whatever. Um, just, just let me know account by at least Wednesday, if you can't today, that you're going to be there. So next Saturday we'll have a number at Mr. Henry's, and uh, we'll have that breakfast there um, that morning. So we'll have a good time with that. Because um, Father's Day, listen, Father's Day, you know, we just celebrated Mother's Day. It's huge. We don't forget Father's Day coming up this month. Talk about this more next week. But, you know, I got a, I got a notification on my phone. June 1st, and it didn't say, hey, this is Father's Day month. You know what it said? First day of LGBTQ plus Pride Month. I was like, you're kidding me. That's what popped up on my phone. I was like, that's awesome. That's good. So further, further just our country doing away more with the family structure and what God has set in place with the family. We're not going to celebrate Father's Day. We're going to celebrate Pride Month. As I've got a daughter-in-law in Germany trying to do that, but I won't go there. Today. All right, let's get back to our announcements. All right, where was we at? So men's breakfast next Saturday at 8 o'clock at Mr. Henry's. And also next Saturday, June 10th, the women's group at 11 will meet at Jimbo and Tisha's house. If y'all don't know where Mud Tavern Road is, you might can find it on the map, but their driveway will not show up on the map. So make sure if you've never been there, you need to, this way, because you will pass it. Then, Brad, you'll go up a steep hill, won't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, But they've got a nice place in the pool, so the women are meeting out there next Saturday at 11. And don't forget, June 25th, um, we're going to have a day out, a fun day out with the Baptist Church over at South Park that evening from 5 to 8 to where we'll be um, playing wiffle ball and stuff and, and just having hamburgers and hot dogs and a good time of fellowship with them. And remember, I said we need to beat them, so if you can athletic at all, then come on, we need to win. Um, June 25th, Sunday, June 25th, the last Sunday of this month. And then a week and a half from today, a week from Wednesday, starts our vacation Bible school. So all hands on deck for that, for sure. If you volunteered or hadn't volunteered yet, want to help, we need plenty of help that those three Wednesdays, for sure, from 6 to 8. 
you know small children, bring them here. Bring them here and let them have, let them hear Jesus, okay? If, if you know they don't go to church, even if they do, there's not enough Jesus they can hear, right? There's not enough about God that they can hear. So we need to, we need, we're looking forward to that. All right. I think I saw the announcements, right? Did I miss anything, Gabby? Okay. Good. Good. So prayer this morning. We'll receive our offering. Let's just get ready for that. We'll receive our offering this morning. Yeah. Um, Danielle told me that Tammy is dealing, her mom, Tammy, is dealing with uh, COVID this morning. So she's got it pretty rough. So we want to remember Tammy Holmes when we do what? Really? That's the thing of COVID now? Wow, everything. Hang on, I sniffled. Who knows? Who knows? But no, I'm joking. But no, she's sick. And they said it was COVID. What strain? I don't know. But uh, then... Wayne Simmons' brother, Robert, right, John John? Okay, just make sure you know your uncle's name. Um, has been in the hospital this past week. He had, uh, I think it was triple bypass surgery ended up having. And, and so Wayne texted me just as we started church and said that he's doing better. They're, they're going to be moving him down. Um, they got some pain going on, but um, they're, they're working on that. And he'll probably go to a regular room or down a unit. Um, this afternoon after lunch. So keep Robert Simmons in your prayer also. And then Greg's, Blake's grandfather, Bill, I think that is, yeah. um, you know, we announced two or three weeks ago they found he had cancer. Well, he's still dealing with that. And so um, we want to just continue to lift him up in prayer this morning and his family. Anything else just now before we pray? All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time together, for the time we've got to spend singing to praises to your name. And, Father, we just worship and, and honor and adore you because you are great. We cannot say enough how great that you are. And there's no words that can describe just the awesomeness that, that, you, that you bestow, that you have, that you've, that you've let us enjoy in our life each and every day with this relationship that we can have with you. And we thank you for it right now. We thank you for this time time together. God, for the word that's already come forth this morning, for what's going to come forth here in just a few minutes. God, that we just open up our hearts and minds and and prepare ourselves to receive. Block everything else out and receive from you this morning what you have for us. Let your Holy Spirit work and move in lives this morning in hearts and minds. God, that we don't don't worry about the world going on, what's, what's here right now. We worry about right now. And God, let you let you move and work in our life. And God, that we can go out of here ready and more prepared to spread your word, your love, your truth in this dark and dying world to those that need it. And we thank you for that, God, that you're just working and moving in each and every one of our lives. God, we lift these up to you, the sick. We lift Tammy Holmes up to you, God, that you continue to touch her. Heal her this COVID, whatever's going on in her body. God, that you just touch and move and bring health and healing to her right now. God, we, uh, the same with Robert Simmons as he's there in the hospital. You continue to work and move in his life where he had this surgery. God, not only his physical heart, but Father, our prayer is that his, his heart will turn back to you, his life will turn back to you and, and, and be in that right relationship with you as he needs to be. And God, we thank you for that. God, you're working and moving in his life. Be with Blake's grandfather, Bill. God, as he's, they gave him this diagnosis of cancer, and it doesn't seem to get better, but we know that, Father, you are the great physician, and we put all our faith and trust and hope in you this morning, God, and we just proclaim healing on his life right now. God, be with the family that they can look to you and trust in you during this time. God, we just ask that you just touch and bless this time of tithes and offerings as we come and bring and do what your word says and be, be faithful to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Y'all do something real quick. Look back here at Ginger. She's got a doctor's report or visit Wednesday, and she needs a good report. And we need to pray for her and lift her up right now. Father, we come and we just lift Ginger up to you right now. God, that you touch her. You heal her body as she goes for this report Wednesday that, that Father, they, they, they can see that things are beginning to become healed. And, God, that she, she has a good report Wednesday, God, that they know what's going on. And, Father, we know that you're working and moving in her life. We, we, we just agree with her and her faith right now. We know that her word is by our stripes. We're healed. And we agree with that. We lift her up and we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Y'all awake this morning? Y'all need to get up and move around? Everybody good? There's plenty of coffee in the back. There's no, no excuse for people to be going to sleep. I say this all the time. We have a nice little coffee bar back there. You can go make your own. I can bring pre-workout mix up here and hand it out the door. We can just dump it in water if we need to. Get everybody jacked up. I'm joking. All right. Children, go to Children's Church. I know y'all waiting on that. I'm sorry. Amen. So y'all ready for the word this morning? Y'all ready? All right. Give the Lord a hand clap offering as JJ comes up and and brings the word that God's given to him this morning. Amen. Good morning. Mark told me I had to hold the mic up close and scream like an evangelist this morning since I'm going with the mic instead of the earpiece. You think with ears like this, it would hold the mic, but it, for whatever reason, my head ain't shaped right for the hold the lapel mic. <laughs> How is everybody this morning? Feeling good? Let's get everybody shook up. Look at somebody around you and say, God loves you. Amen. That's right. No matter where you're at, what you've done. God loves you. Amen. This morning, you know, it's I love how when the Spirit, you know, through a church and a congregation and stuff just seems to always flow and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm loved and blessed to call this church my home, the building that we visit. You know, and it just seems like here lately it's always, it's always been like that. But, you know, lately... Even it's like everything just flows, you know, from devotions to preaching. It's like it's just one constant. Like, and we, we don't talk. None of us guys talk, you know, like, hey, what are you all doing devotion on this week? What are you preaching on this week? We just try to serve God and give what the Spirit lays on our heart and go, and it just seems like everything flows. And uh, with that being said, you know, when Mark asked me to preach, you know, I got the message together, and, you know, Last week, you know, about a mature church and stuff, what he preached on, that's kind of where this is going. And then even Pat, when he finished devotion, said, you know, back to basics, you know, and that was the concept behind this as well. You know, sometimes you just got to get back to the basics, you know, when uh, sports teams and different things, you know, they struggle and whatever, what's always said. You know, sometimes you just got to get back to basics, you know, and get, get that core foundation back established and move from there, so... That's kind of where we're going. But the title, you know, is be a, us be a spirit-led disciples. And we're going to get to that towards the end, but we got to lay some groundwork first. Uh, you know, I want this to be a, a challenge to each and every person here, you know, because we all need to grow in the Lord. Amen. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I can raise my hand and say I ain't uh, where I want to be. You know, I've. I want to get closer to the Lord. I want to get stronger with the Lord, you know, because like I've said a million times, and I'll continue saying it, there's a war coming. It's already here, but it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger, more battles and all these different things that's coming, and you better be ready. And the only way we can be ready is by training in the Word of God and being ready so when that comes that we're strong enough to stand. Amen? You know, think of it in war. You know, when a war comes on the on the... Well, the military's changed so much now. We got all kind of frou frous in there and stuff, and boot camps ain't boot camps no more. And it's just like, well, we got stress cards. You're stressing me out, drill instructor. Let me turn this card in, and you can't yell at me for 24 hours. All that garbage. So, back up before all that garbage. You know, 
different branches went through training, some of the most intense training in the world because they wanted to be ready when war come. And I don't know about y'all, but I want somebody that's battle-hardened beside me in the trenches versus somebody who is going to run and scream like a little high school girl or boy, you know, the first time something shot, you know, and then ah, you run off, you know. Do you want somebody like that? Do you want somebody like uh, Chuck Norris or Sylvester Sloan or somebody in the trenches with you or John Wayne or, you know, some of them, you know, it's just going to bite it and keep moving. That's what I'm saying. Like That's where we need to be. We need to be that strong person to pick up who's beside me, you know, because uh, we all know that uh, sometimes we ain't always the strong one. Sometimes we need lifted up. Let me get my time out here before I get carried away. I promise we'll be out of here for, to avoid the rush at the Cracker Barrel. Because by 1.30, everybody's gone, right? I'm just kidding. All right, so the Great Commission is where we're going. We're going back to the basics this morning. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 10. He says, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So this is fixing to set up the Great Commission and all these different things. But I want us to look at this verse. What just Back up and think about what just happened to Jesus Christ. Think about it. Before he said these words, what had happened to him? You know, he got betrayed by the ones that were supposed to love him the most. He got crucified on a cross for us. All these different things. What does he say? This is telling me, he said, even in our worst times, when we are cowards, because what did the disciples do when Jesus was being led away to be carried on a cross and crucified? I don't know him. You know, like, you know, those are his most loyal followers supposed to have been. And you know, it's like, hey, ain't you so-and-so? You walk with him. And they was like, uh-uh, I don't know that guy. You know, because like, they knew what was going to happen if they had said yes, they would have been up there with them probably. So even when we're cowards and when we don't do what we're called to do, have you ever been felt led by the Spirit, you know, to be, say something to somebody or do stand up against something or do these different things and you don't? That's considered us being cowards. And I know I'm guilty of that as well. Uh, but that's that same context. Moments of unbelief. We're still, you know, them as well. Even in that, we're still forgiven, loved, and endeavored by Christ. Because what does he say? He don't say, uh, go tell them cowards to come to Galilee, did he? He said, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I, that's what I took from that verse, and I want you to think of that. No matter where you're at, God loves you. That's why I had you say that this morning. God loves you. And no matter what we've done to him, he's still saying, you know, my brethren, my people, my child. But then we're going to go on down to Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Uh, this is uh, the Great Commission. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them... To observe all things that I have commanded you. Get a hold of that. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So think of the importance of the last words. This is where Jesus is fixing to go prepare that place that he's preparing for us. Amen. So I know if I knew that this was going to be the last time that I spoke to somebody here on earth, you know, that's going to carry the weight of the importance of your last words. You want them to count. You want them to get in. You want them to be the utmost importance before you go, right? This is Jesus' last words. You know, like he knew the importance of go. Teach them about me. Teach them the ways of me. Teach them all these different things. Because that's what's going to carry people on through the ages to come and all the things that's got to happen before I make my return and all these different things. But it's also laying the groundwork for us. So first... We must be disciples to go and make disciples, right? You can't make something that you ain't. But here's the thing. Disciples and Christians are synonymous with each other. Okay, get a hold of that. Uh, a disciple isn't a fancy, uh, fancy name or title 
given to a Christian who has achieved a higher learning or made some type of deeper commitment. Right? So if you've accepted Jesus Lord of life, you're a disciple. You know, I I always thought, you know, before I really started studying, you know, years ago, you know, you always thought you hear that word and it sounds fancier, don't it? I'm a disciple of Christ, you know, versus a Christian, you know. So I always thought, well, a disciple is somebody who went a little deeper in study and he's this or he's got some special, t- you know, God-given whatever to him. And No, a disciple is a Christian. Basically, simple. you can't make a deeper commitment than making Jesus Lord of your life. So how can you go deeper than a Christian? You're a disciple because you can't go no deeper than that. Now, God calls you to go deeper with Him and spending time with Him. But like I said, there's no deeper commitment one can give than to make Jesus Lord of your life. Everything else hinges off of that confession and commitment. A Christian is a disciple, and a disciple is a Christian. They are one and the same. Uh, to be a disciple is to be a follower of Christ, not just belief in Christ. You know, we say that a lot. Even the demons believe, right? So you've got to get it beyond a head knowledge and head belief and get it to here but it's got to get to a heart surrendering commitment to christ you know and that's the key thing if we want to succeed and be strong and all this and that's what the point of this message i want all of us to succeed because i love you and i want to see you stand strong that word whatever life throws at you you can stand there and take it and the only way we can do that is commitment is abiding in christ you know i said that last week you're abiding in christ and our time that we spend with him the strength that we have uh and your focus you know i'm gonna be a nerd for a minute uh anybody here ever watch star wars all right so the i had went on my little nerd thing and went back and i'd watch the first episode you know right before qui-gon jinn dies his dying breath you know he tells anakin he says remember anakin your focus determines your reality you know, it was like when he said that, it was like the Holy Spirit speaking to me through those words, you know. And he's like, man, how true is that? Your focus determines your reality. So you focus on Jesus, that's going to determine your reality. You're going to live a, uh, a spirit-led life. You're going to stand against the wickedness of the world. You're going to do what God has called you to do. You're going to do all these different things. You're going to be strong because you're going to be a guiding, abiding in Christ. You're going to be spending time with Christ. It's going to build you up. That's going to have you all these different things. If that's where 99% of your focus is. How much stronger would we be if that's where we was at so that when the things come, we're built up and we're strong and we're able to battle the enemy and stand against him, speak against the enemy. Instead of submitting and falling into sin, we stand against it and give that way of escape that he's given us. It's only going to happen by having total commitment and focus on Christ. Flip side of that, if we're not strong and we do succumb to all these different things, it's because our focus ain't where it needs to be. If we focus on the world, guess what we're going to look like? The world. So how do we define a disciple of Christ? Like I said, at salvation, a believer becomes a disciple. Discipleship is a walk that lasts one's life. You know, I believe it would be safe to say if we ask Brother David back there, like, you know, are, are you where you would like to be? Is there still stuff that you can learn? Is there still deeper commitment that you can make? You know, and, and all ranges of that you could go. Uh but maturity is a lifelong process. You grow and you grow and you grow. You can look at that from the physical realm and look at the little ones that are there running around in here, you know, up to adults. And Mark done told us that men never mature, you know. And I would agree with that. I would second that. Cause just go to a job site and you'll see grown men still laughing at the same dumb stuff teenagers laugh at. <laughs> Women, y'all probably more mature than us. I don't know. Y'all probably laugh about the same goofy stuff. With that being said... Uh, age-wise in here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help all of us feel a little better this morning, okay? All right, so who would y'all would say would be the oldest one in here? I'm not looking at nobody. Everybody, Brad, why are you looking over at Ron? <laughs> but I'm not really talking about in the flesh because that's not really how old you are in, in my opinion. My opinion would be how old you are when you made Jesus Lord of your life because that's when your true birth started. So that's where I want to go with this, like maturity. Like how mature are you? You know, when was you saved? How old are you? That? So I'm 22. So that makes you feel better about yourself, don't it? Instead of somebody asking you, say, man, I'm 55. No, you're 22, right? So that's your new birth. That's your new creation and all these different things. So think about when you were saved and all this. And I was blessed to know that date. Like January 3rd of 01 is when I was saved. I was blessed to, you know, as years passed and all these different things went on, I lost and 
I would always hear Brother David and different ones, you know, say, you know, I remember the date, you know, and I thought, man, I cannot remember. I remember the night and never forget the night and everything that happened, but I just could not put a date with it. And uh, long story short, Stacy ended up knowing people that knew the people that was at the church. So she messaged them and they messaged back because I always remember, I was like, man, if I can ever get in touch with her, I know they'll know because Sue was her name. She always kept in the back of her Bible. Anytime somebody got saved, it would be a date, you know, and whatever. So she had it. So I learned my spiritual birthday, January 3rd of 01. So some key aspects of this lifelong discipleship. We already talked about one. Total commitment. Love for God and neighbor. So this is just different things that you'll know of somebody. You know, Scripture tells us, you know, or the world tells you, don't judge, don't judge. You know, Scripture says you can judge. You can judge a, judge a tree by its fruit, can't you? So you'll know somebody. Somebody's claiming, oh, I'm this, this, and this. And then you look at them and be like, well, I don't see. I don't know about all that. So do you love God and your neighbor? You know, and disciples, you know, is like anybody else, you know, where they try to find loopholes. Well, who is my neighbor? You know, is it just everybody? Even the LGBTQ people, we have to love them. We don't have to love what they do, but we have to love them as people. And when we start seeing people through God's eyes and understand that it's not about what they're doing, it's a lost soul. That's what we've got to look at. I don't care what you do, whatever you do behind closed doors. I don't care. I love you, and I want you to get a hold of God so God can remove those things. To live a life of prayer, perseverance and suffering, which all comes to the maturity, right? You know, I know I ain't always been strong in this area. So as we, as we go over these different things, that's what I want you to evaluate yourself and look at yourself and see, you know, there's going to be areas that you're strong in. There's going to be areas that you need to work on. All these different things. And maturity is, you know, we would love to be, and I know Pastor Mark would love for all of us to live a, uh, lead a church full of mature, strong people who are strong in all areas because that's going to make his life a whole lot easier, right? Ours as well. But perseverance and suffering is one I've always struggled in. You know, when life and all these different things hit you, you know, I, I'm a little slow. You know, I have to I have to waller here, and I've gotten a whole lot better. I will say that I have gotten stronger in those areas. But, uh, you know, there's times where you just it takes me a minute to get wound back up and come out of the hole and dig yourself back out. And you say, like, why in the world did I waller down in there for so long? You know, like, so much better up here. The watchfulness, patience, and boldness. No, patience is another one I kind of struggle with. I'm not patience in all areas like I would like to be patient with. Faith and dependence, joy and praise, good and bad times. You know, that's a true mark you can see of a, a strong, mature Christian is when bad times come, they joy and praise in God even in the midst of all that. Like Pastor saying about God is God in the valley just as much as He is on the mountaintop. When we go through there with a uh, through the valley with a mountaintop mentality, so much better. Make that walk seem like so much shorter. Testimony and witness is all part of being a disciple. You know how do, how do we share the wor- word with other and the work by the works of God that He's done in our lives, right? You know some people don't want to hear Bible. Let's just be real. Like I know I didn't when I was lost. You know, but because you, you'll always get the argument, well, that was written by a man. This is this. This is a bunch of fairy tales. This is this, 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 and this. But when you say, them, look, all right, whatever, but God did this in my life. Like, you can't deny that. Like, this personal experience, it happened here. Like, we ain't talking about 2,000 years ago. We're talking about here and now. So our, and Revelations even says, you know, how they overcome by the words, power of their testimony and all these different things. Because it's the telling of the good things of God in your life is should lift you up and it's going to lift those around you because it gives them hope because they know that whatever God has done in your life, He'll do in theirs as well. Stewardship of wealth and possessions. You know, not squandering away what God's given us. You know, so many times we want more, 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 more. Well, sometimes maybe we need to take care of more of what God has given us and then maybe He'll bless us with more. Commitment to the lost is, you know, I put that probably uh, say the best for last kind of thing in that. Because to me, you know, if you don't have commitment to the lost, then how can you be a mature Christian? Because that should be of our utmost importance, you know, getting ourselves focused on Christ and then being committed to all those who's lost. Because God's will and His desire is what? That all be saved. 
You know, so he wants every person to be saved. So that should be ours because he's living inside of us, right? Uh, so that should be our utmost desire to bring everybody to heaven with us. It'd be my desire, you know, I would love for everybody to make heaven and Satan be all alone by himself down there, bored to death. You know, that, that that's what I would like to see. But embracing and maturing in each of these areas takes time and is challenging. But those who receive, have received the grace of God and enter His kingdom are enabled to do so through the empowering presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know, we got the easy part. You know, we make a commitment and we turn our lives over to God. And this is how it seems to have worked in my life. Like the Holy Spirit and Christ working through me seems to, He's doing the work. Like I just reap its benefits. And I can't put that into words. And I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, me and Stacey was talking about it on the way here, you know, of like, you know, life changing. I'm going to talk about that as well. But like so many things that fall off, you know, when you first get saved. You know, I was thinking about it preparing this, like all the junk that I was involved with and doing and all this. And it was like flipping a light switch. And it was just like it was gone. Like didn't have no desire for it, didn't want no part of it. That ain't me. I had trained myself for years to do. I was good at it. All these different things. And it was like that, completely bipolar opposite. So if that ain't God, I don't know what is. And that right there is a determining factor. And you can't tell me any difference that the Holy Spirit does that work inside of you. All He wants you to do is show up to class, spend a little time with Him, and that Holy Spirit will work inside you, and you'll be getting stronger, not even knowing you're getting stronger. Amen? Since each Christian must still deal with the presence of sin, you know, I wish we could get in a bubble, but it ain't. We still got to deal with it. Our walk will be full of ups and downs, victories and failures, which is why total commitment to Christ is of utmost importance. Jesus makes it clear that an absolute com commitment is required for being successful at discipleship. You know, that's why he made it point after point after point, abide in me, remain in me, because he knows the more time you spend with him, you know, that's the challenge I want for you to issue to every one of you, person in here. I did it to myself over the past couple of weeks, and I'm trying to do better and better and better. So, like, think about your personal time that you give to God every day, whatever that is. I don't care if it's 30 seconds, if it's none, if it's an hour. I don't care what it is. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, I challenge you this coming week, month, whatever. So let's have pride month. All right, let's have pride in God this month. That'll be a good way to kick it off, right? First week of first week of this month, let's have pride in God and let's try to double. Whatever time you spend with God. So if you spend five minutes, try to go ten. You know, and just try to increase that a little each week. And I promise you, watch God work in your life. The more time you spend with God, the more you're going to be full, the more you're going to handle situations that work and children and whatever throws at you, you'll stand there and you'll be able to quench the fiery darts that the enemy's throwing at you. All these different things. So that's, that's my challenge to each and every person, myself included, is just try to double, increase the time that we spend with Him and keep going. And if you can do... Start at 5 and you hit 10 and that was easy, go to 20. You know, just keep growing and growing and growing. Oh, I'm making good time. What does a disciple look like? You know, we looked at a lot of the aspects and different things like that. So what does it one actually look like? Someone who puts God first and foremost in their life, right? That's going to be a determining factor. Because somebody who does that is going to start showing all the aspects of stuff that we just talked about. So Luke 14 and 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Right? So to be a disciple, opposite that. Now that's an idiom. Okay. Let's get that clear. Uh, he don't want you to really hate your mother and father and all these different things. Uh, what he's saying is he comes first. Right? Because he would be contradicting himself if he told you to hate your father and mother because Scripture is pretty clear all through to love your father and your mother, you know, Obey them, you know, and all these different things and love your neighbor and all that. So that's all an equation of that. So he's just saying, you know, you got to put him first. If you love any of these categories above him, you're not going to be a successful disciple. Amen. 
So this is the most telltale sign of a true follower of Christ. Is that right there, that God's going to be first? Because all other fruit and traits and behavior will stem from how true that statement is. So how much you've committed to God and how much you love God, all that other stuff is going to stem from that. If you love God a little, you're going to have a little fruit. If you love God a lot, you're going to have a lot of fruit. That's pretty simple, basic stuff, right? It's only by our love for God that we may, uh, that He may work inside us to rightfully love others to our full potential, right? Remember what I said earlier, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's inside of us working and doing our thing when we show up with Him. So the only way I'm going to be able to love Brad like I need to love Brad is I got to love God first and spend time with Him so that I can love Brad. Because I can tell you, before Christ, I wasn't a very loving person. I like my little crew that I run with. Everybody outside of that better get out of the way. I didn't love a whole lot. You know, I didn't love myself. I didn't love life. I hated life. Pray, you know, praise a bad word. Wanted to just exit all the time. Hated it. Flip the switch, and I love everybody. It's so weird to me. John 15 and 5. says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I like this last part. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. That's what I'm saying by that spending time with God and the Holy Spirit doing inside of you. Because without him, I've improved I'm nothing. Without him, I've done proved I can't do anything of any good, and I can cause havoc and chaos. I was a professional at that. But when we're talking about good stuff and fruitful stuff in the world, I can't do any of that without Christ. Would have not done anything with the Christ. Without Christ, I'd still been tearing up the bars and doing whatever, living my life till I died without Christ. But with him, I can do all things, right? With him, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us from the inside. Y'all get anything out of this? I'm fired up. I mean, when I just talk, I just love God and the Holy Spirit, man. Save my life. Just about got emotional. We'll live a life of love. We talked about that just for a hair, but John thirteen thirty five. said, by this all will know that you are my disciples. So we say, you know, how are you going to know? I'm telling you, if you have love for one another, it ain't no big long whatever. Love dictates everything. Love is the key to everything. All this Bible, it could be consumed up and wrapped up and explained in one word, love. So if you don't have love for your brothers, you don't have love for all these, you don't have love for those who wronged you, that's a tough one. That's a trait that I didn't even speak on, but forgiveness and all these different things, if we can't, exhibit forgiveness to those who have wronged us we ain't got the love of god in us like it needs to be not saying that you're not saved but we just need to spend a little more time because how can we not forgive others when we didn't deserve forgiveness to begin with and yet he poured out his forgiveness on us and saved our souls so that ought to have us running the streets man i forgive you i love you i want you to come to christ i love you i forgive you all these different things even when we're in the right in things Not just to each other as God's people, right? Because it's easy to forgive my brothers and sisters in here because I know y'all trying. You know, you're trying to do your best and all these different things. But what about the lost and the ones out there? You know, we've got to live a life of love to them as well. Luke 6, we're going to start at verse 27. He says, but I, to say, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. That's a tough one, ain't it? Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. That's a real tough one, especially for me, man. It's like, man, you use me, I'm done. We say that all the time. Like, man, I'll do anything for you till you do this, you know. Well, what if God had that attitude with me? Well, I love you, but you do this one more time, I'm done with you, son. I have to swallow my pride a lot on that. Like, nope, i got to love you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. 
Give to everyone who asks of you. This is a tough one for me too. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? So like if you love the ones who love you, that's easy to do, right? For even sinners love those who love them. Go to any bar on Friday night, boy, everybody loves everybody in there. Until like third or four shots of tequila, then might not love everybody as much. <laughs> Gets a little rowdy at that point. <laughs> Thirty-four. Or maybe it was just me. I don't know. <laughs> All right, thirty-four. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back. What credit is that to you? You know, somebody asks you, like, man, I know he's going to pay me back. He always pays me back, you know, whatever. But that's not really doing anything. You know you're getting it back. But somebody, you know, well, I don't know if I'll get it back or not. These are tough for me. I got the firm belief, like, take your butt to work. Like, you know, for even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. we got to be different. But love your enemies. Do good. And lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. And we're a picture of that, amen? Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. All goes back to that. That's going to be a trait of someone who's mature, who's full of the Spirit, who's got the love of God in them, all these different things. You'll be able to succeed with all them, but it's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you which is going to take some time on our part to turn off Facebook, to turn off video games, to turn off this, whatever your crutch is and whatever, turn that garbage off for just long enough to spend a little more time with God, and I promise you'll see the fruits of it. I don't know about y'all, but Facebook ain't never done nothing in my life to, to better me and the world around me. You can use Facebook, don't get me wrong. You can minister and witness to it if that's what you're doing with it. All right, they will live a life that exhibits the fruits of repentance for a life that shows he has truly changed, is what I said earlier, you know, all the junk. That's, that's going to be a very good telltale sign if somebody's about what they say they're about. Like if I say I'm saved and I still live like I was, if y'all still catch me at the bar every weekend and you still catch me fighting in the streets, if you still catch me other stuff, they don't show much of changes. How can I say that God who created the universe and saved the world and died for your sins and all these things is living inside of me if I'm still living just like I was? Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, which is where I was going with the spiritual birthday. So you're a new creation when you made Jesus Lord of your life. If you ain't, make today what is today, the fourth? June 4th, make that your day if you hadn't today. Old things have passed away. All that junk should pass away. Behold, all things have become new. And to exaggerate on what Pat had said about my body, my choice, your body ain't yours no more. When you make Jesus Lord of your life, my body is no longer my own. It's been purchased by a very precious price, and that's the blood of Jesus. So therefore, it don't matter what I want to do no more. It's about what He wants me to do. Amen. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm thankful for that. Amen. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. Get a hold of that. We should be living a life that it looks like God is pleading through us to the world around us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin. This is the tough part. Because this is my fault. Everybody in the world's fault. Because he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Innocent man. Went to the cross for my junk.
have a desire to seek the lost and bring them to Jesus for salvation. Matthew 9, we're going to start at verse 10. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Here we got these Pharisees, you know, the high and mighties, I'm better than you. Why are you over there with them? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I've heard a lot, I think I think it was last week or the week before, one of the times you had said, you know, we're like uh, people to say, you know, they go to the bars or whatever, you know, and okay, I'll give you this. Like, I'm not going to say what God's going to call who to not do or do, but I do know this. If you ain't going to that bar, and people that you ain't there to change their lives and they ain't changing yours, then you ain't there for the right reasons. So I'm not going to say God can't call Bradley to go to, uh, I don't even know if he names any bars anymore. <laughs> 67 Roadhouses, I don't even know if it's still going, but indicator if he called you to go down there on Friday night, and witness to somebody. There ain't nothing wrong with you going down there on Friday night to witness to somebody. But if you pull a stool up, next thing you know, you 12 beers deep. <laughs> and God ain't brought up no more. Somebody was wrong. No, I would love to hear about it on the news, wouldn't y'all? Somebody, somebody struck out in 67 Roadhouse with a mission to God on their mind. They sat down at the bar stool and revival broke out in there. Amen. That same calling comes through us as ambassadors for Christ to carry out His walk or His work by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You know, that's what that verse is saying. Seek at all costs to obey the commandments. John 14, starting at 15, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's pretty point blank, period, no arguments, no room for error or misinterpretations, ain't it? And I will pray the Father, and he's back up to what we just said, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments, and then this will happen. You know, the Bible's got a lot of ifs and different things in it. I'll do this if you do this, you know. So we always have a part we got to do on our end. So then I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Thank God for that helper. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. That's why they're living like they live because they ain't seeing nor hearing him. And it's through us and the different testimonies and stuff like that that we reveal that to them, that maybe their eyes be open. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will, over, we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And then you go on over to chapter 15, starting at verse 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. You're starting to see a picture with this. So we re remain and abide in Him and get strengthened in Him. That's the joy of Christ will come to us. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one that this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So that's laid out. You know, when you think about... Uh, 
loving like Jesus loved us, that's pretty steep, ain't it? Now we know what a follower should look like. Do we look like this? Second Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourselves, which is what I was talking about. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you are disqualified. So we're to examine ourselves and all these different things. But I want us to examine ourselves because I love you and I want to see you succeed. Not to browbeat or to make us feel any less of a Christian, but to open our eyes to an honest examination of ourselves and look to where we may need help. You know, it's been a tough. I've had to deal with this for weeks since he's given this to me. And examination sometimes ain't always fun. But we need to, uh, so that it can help and provoke us to look to the one who is the author of our faith, that he may draw us closer as we recognize and acknowledge our need for him. That's the thing. He's not going to draw close and all these different things if you don't acknowledge that there's a need for him. To help us in the areas that we lack. That we may continue to write on our heart, that He may continue to write on our hearts His love and truths that make us more and more like Him. All goes back to what I said: it's that spending that time with us, with Him, that He can do all these things and write on our hearts and create us into uh, being more like Him. He, Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-two says, "Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience." And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. If you want to not waver, it all goes back to that. Y'all hear me say that a million times. You're going to have to spend time. The more time, less wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God's going to do his part. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The closer and closer that end times and days is coming, the worse stuff, all the more reason for us to fail not to assemble together because we're going to get stronger in here than we are out there. And then after we got all of that, we're to make disciples, right? We should be all looking to teach and mentor those whom God sends in our path. Not just bring, invite them to church and pitch them off on somebody else or think that Mark's got to do all of it. You know, God put them in our path. We get them to church and they do need to hear the word, but not everybody is grown. Like when somebody's first born, you know, Mark might be preaching on the depths and some complex theological type point that they're like, what in the world is going on? (laughs) That's up to us to help nurture them as well. The church as a whole should be more than just the pastor preaching on Sunday morning and be expected to feed such a wide body of needs alone. Does that make sense? What this person needs, this person might not need, you know, as far as like what they're going through at that time. We all need all word. That's not what I'm saying, but I hope you get what I'm trying to display. There are different levels of growth and maturity within a congregation, and some new converts may not be able to understand the complexities, like I said, of the doctrines and scriptures. So it's up to us as the body to help feed and nurture them with the basics and help the pastor build up a strong foundation in them until they are ready for the meat and potatoes of the gospel. And they can repeat that same process for others. You know, I'm going to share a little part of my story real quick of why uh, discipleship to me is so important in doing that. Because the church that I got saved in uh, was real good on like two or three verses of like getting you saved, like repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, you know, all this different things. Like, man, you, you get the Holy Ghost, different things. But like there was no discipleship from that. Does that make sense? And when I first got saved, man, I was a ball of fire. Like I didn't believe in God, nothing prior. So then when I got hit with the reality that this is real, like I had to tell everybody, it was like, man, you better listen to me. Like God is real. Like, it blew me away, so I was doing everything that I could to live right. All these different, I was completely Bible illiterate. Like, I didn't know the Bible, so I was trying to, that's a lot of stuff to throw on somebody that don't know nothing, right? So I'm like, boom, and I'm hitting. All I know is I got to share Jesus and tell them at least about him. I don't know much else, but I know Jesus is real. So I messed up and slipped, fell into temptation for a minute, and then that's what caused me to drive away, quit going to church for years. 
because I thought I blew my shot. I didn't know no different. I thought, you know, I did all these things. Christ died for me. He gives me a second chance. Well, I messed that up. So then I was like, I might as well just go back to living because I ain't making heaven now. I didn't know no different. Fast forward several years, you know, uh, started looking for different churches, and long story short, ended up here, which teaches the Bible as a whole, and we don't repeat the same three or four <laughs> verses here and there. And you got people who will come to you if you don't show up in a couple of Sundays. I promise you, you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get people checking on you. I never got one phone call, you know, of like, why ain't you here? What's happening? You know, maybe somebody could explain to me, hey, man, you get more than one chance. That would have saved me years of mess. That's why discipleship to me is very important because I want everyone to understand, like, man, God ain't done with you. I don't care what you've done. God is, he's for you, not against you. Amen. And you get more than one chance. If you're here, you at least get that. I don't mean take advantage of him. Uh, let's see. All right, so here we're going to get to the title, Spirit-Led Disciples. I'm almost done, I promise. Spirit-Led Disciples. All right, so before I start this, I just want you to get what I'm saying. is I'm not downplaying the disciples, but I want you to, to grasp kind of the way it was revealed to me. All right, so the disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside them at the time that Jesus was walking. We all know that, right? All right, so to me, the way it was revealed is like that is a fleshly disciple. Does that make sense? Like they're operating from the flesh because they don't have the Spirit inside of them. We don't have that excuse. We got the Spirit living inside of us, so we have more help. We have a lot of things that people, the whole Bible, wrote about longing for the day that would come to receive what we have. All right, so that's where I'm kind of laying that. Not that I'm downgrading them or playing them any means, but they operated from the flesh, and I want us to operate from the Spirit so that we can more, be more successful. So I want to lay that out and hope I get that point across before I get right here. So prior to the day of Pentecost, the disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, and the result was a, lot, a lack of understanding, a lot of that, because the Holy Spirit is inside of us to give us understanding, all these different things. Uh, so they didn't have that. They were dependent on their fleshly eyes, ears, minds, and this led to Jesus having to rebuke them almost seemingly nonstop. You know, you read through scriptures, you know, and we talked about this on some Wednesday evenings where, you know, Jesus over and over, it seems like he's, uh, seems that the parables Jesus spoke, the disciples didn't ever understand them, and he would have to say, do you still not understand? And then he'd have to break it down again, and sometimes they still didn't even seem to get it after that. You know, and sometimes I feel like that, you know, now even with the Spirit with me, like, man, why can I not understand this? Imagine not having the Holy Spirit inside of you and trying to grasp all that. So they were earthly grounded and minded, and the Word of God is spiritually grounded and minded. Get a hold of that. And because of this, we need help, right? They had Jesus in the flesh, and now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. John fourteen twenty six. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So that Holy Spirit living inside of us, we've took it to another level, so to speak. And from gamer aspect, we leveled up. We got the Holy Spirit living inside of us to help bring remembrance to us, to teach us all things, to lead us. Scripture tells us that He'll lead God and direct us in all truths and all these different things. And the only way He's going to be able to do that is if we're in tune and in abiding in Him so that we can recognize that, that we can move on that. But if we're earthly grounded and minded, then... We will lack understanding just as the disciples were in Jesus' day. You know, you can, be, you can be a Christian for 25 years and still be earthly minded and grounded and not grasp things and still bumble around and do whatever. Or you can use that time to grow and to not do these things. Does that make sense? So we need to be grounded in the Word of God and full of the Holy Spirit so that He can teach us, reveal us all things so that we be can become strong, Mature Christians who can go out and make more disciples and teach them so that generations may change. We want to see change in this country. It starts with you sitting in that seat. Don't expect somebody else to be the change. You be the change. Because enough of us as individuals start to change, that will change households, which will change what? Communities, which changes what? States. And it just grows and grows and grows. I heard a man say one time, said all the problems in Washington didn't start in Washington. Think about that. It started from a lack of doing what Christians need to be doing in their home. That man didn't make it to the top of Washington just overnight and say, let's throw him in there. 
It started from way back here, and he refused God. He lived this, he lived this, and lived this, and he ended up here. So, that's the change. And we will see more of God's kingdom here on earth, but it all begins with us. Amen. Uh, so that's all I've got. Uh, Cole, if you would, start some music. Like I said, this is a, a challenging a, a issue, challenge to, to all of us to examine ourselves like Scripture tells us to examine ourselves.